Welcome into the Blazers Uprise Post Game Show. Here are your hosts, Tori Jones and Eric Brandt. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Blazers Uprise Post Game Show. This was not the performance that the Portland Trailblazers wanted tonight. That is quite an understatement after a big-time win in game number two. They have a big-time loss in game number three. They get blown out by the Los Angeles Clippers and lose by 30. Their first road game of the year could not have gone worse for the Portland Trailblazers. We're going to break it all down. We're going to talk about it all. So hopefully you guys are having a good night. Otherwise, hopefully you've had a good day. This Blazer game definitely was pretty hard to enjoy. Uh, overall, it was it was definitely a rough one. Eric, what's going on, man? How are your feelings after this game? After the big time win in game number two, to follow it up with this, what is what are, what are the thoughts going on inside your head? Uh, just inexplicable embarrassing uh just complete lack of focus uh stupid costly turnovers that just seemed to multiply <laughs> as the game went on um i was embarrassed watching this team play that's how bad it was dude it's so crazy how this team can look so good in one game and then so bad the next as i said there's going to be growing pains and me and you were super excited after last game because i think last game showed what this team is capable of but this team right now seems like it probably has a pretty high ceiling and a pretty low floor there's going to be some growing pains with this team i said that despite the success that uh, occurred in game number two but I didn't expect them to bounce back to the bottom of the barrel here with a 30-point loss to the Los Angeles Clippers. This was a team that owned us last year, uh, who had their way with us last year. And it was funny looking back at things because in game number three last year, we had a big-time win over the Los Angeles Lakers, right? And we were super excited about that win. The Blazers then played on the road against the Los Angeles Clippers and lost by almost 30. Tonight... <laughs> After a big-time win against the Phoenix Suns, they go on the road to the Clippers and lose by 30. What's funny is, in that Clippers game in game number 4 last season, Damian Lillard shot 0 for 8. Tonight, Damian Lillard shot 0 for 8. And Damian Lillard's struggles have been a big, uh, a big thing to start this season. And honestly, that's what I'm going to want to start off with after I thank these couple of donos. Shout out to Mills Woj with a $5 dono. Mills Woj says, I was there. It was awful. No energy, no rhythm, just going through the motions. Thank you, Mills Woj, for the $5 donation. Mm -hmm. That is one of my takeaways as well, and I'm very disappointed with that. Everything else is understandable in my opinion, but the lack of energy and the lack of intensity was really ridiculous tonight. I was very disappointed with that. Shout out to Play by Play for the $10 donation. He says, bad loss, obviously very lackadaisical from the start. Nurkic and Rocco were horrific, but I think this will be a good learning experience. Better these games happen now than late in the season. And there's definitely things that the Blazers can learn from in this game, Eric, but something that they shouldn't have to learn is to come out each game with a certain level of intensity. And the fact- Especially on defense. Especially on the defensive end. In game number two, their intensity was about as good as you could ask for on the defensive end. This game, I'm not sure how their intensity could be much worse outside of them just not even showing up for the game in the first place. 
this game can be encapsulated down to two things. One, the rotations were so slow in this game, Eric. We were so slow getting out to shooters. We were so slow getting to spots. We were sleeping defensively. Roko got spun around when Nicholas Batum back cut him in the second half. That was a perfect encapsulation of how we were just kind of sleepwalking through this game. The lack of intensity is extremely disappointing and unacceptable and something that Chauncey Billups needs to call out. We'll see what Chauncey Billups says in his post-game press conference, but you cannot accept the level of intensity in which the Blazers came out with tonight. Plain and simple. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just simple things like um, like a pass gets like one pass along the perimeter and the guy guarding the person who it's passed to just kind of walks out and barely puts a hand up. It's like, no, you can't do that. That's exactly what we've been talking about all offseason the last couple of years, not being able to do that. You can never be good at defense in the NBA if you have those kind of lackadaisical closeouts, if you have all these kind of problems. Uh, So I don't understand how it could go from at least if they were blowing rotations in the Suns game, they were flying around and they had the effort there to try and get back into the play or whatever. This time it seemed like as soon as someone got beat off the dribble or there was a pass to an open shooter, it was like, Oh, well, we lost this possession, you know, and uh, that just cannot happen. And uh, yeah, so this is part of, the accountability thing, it'll be interesting to see how Chauncey handles this. Um, but if he can't get the players to consistently show that effort that they showed in the Phoenix game every night, um, it's not going to work. So um, we just, we cannot play like this. And then, you know, we, we had like 30 turnovers. 30 turnovers. And it's not to, even like we were trying to move the ball, Eric. We were yeah. basically playing rat ball, it seemed like, out there. And I know Chauncey is focused on the defense, but the offense has not looked good. Even last game when they were hitting a bunch of shots, there was moments where there were actions which I liked, but that seemingly was just the Blazers were getting into things quicker, which they needed to do today with their offense struggling and didn't. They basically walked the ball up the court all game long. But overall, I, I still was expecting a lot more in terms of an offensive system from Chauncey Billups at this point, and we'll have to wait and see on that. But overall, the offense is not... It's not like we're running anything that complicated. The 30 turnovers tonight was not due to us trying to do new things. It wasn't due to us trying to implement a new system because it looked like we were barely running anything and maybe i'm wrong maybe i'll have to go back and look at some of the the clips and i'll do that uh after the stream is done you can go to nba.com's box score and look at all uh turnovers for the portland trailblazers if you want to it'll be interesting to see how the variety of those came but from my interpretation eric it wasn't because they were running anything it was just boneheaded decision making yeah it's like um you know dame has a pass at the beginning of the second half where Nurk's open on the roll and he just kind of, I don't know what he, he just like barely put any juice on it and just kind of laid it out there and and George easily steals it. And then we have Nurk, um, you know, it's good that we have cutters, but the cutters aren't always gonna be open. And the Clippers were sending an extra guy. So 
on a lot of the cuts, um, especially after we got a couple of, of them early, um, there would be a guy in between the basket and where that pass needs to go. And so a lot of those passes are not the right decision to throw those, yet Nurk kept trying to force it in there, and he wasn't even throwing them crisply either, so mm. they had no chance of getting through. But in those situations, you have to recognize that if there's two guys on the cutter, someone is wide open. And if you don't recognize that, if you try to force it into the person who's not open, that's just going to be a disaster. And then we have Nance come in. Uh, first time he touches the ball, he just fumbles it to the other team. And then uh, a few plays later, he just like drives and then tries a shovel pass that goes to no one. There was no one even in the area. And it just he just like lost the ball as he's passing it. And it's just like, Everyone had those kind of plays tonight. It seemed like Rocco had a, had a stretch two plays in a row where he just horrible, horrible execution of the offense and just threw it out of bounds one play. And I, I don't even know what we were doing out there. It's like it doesn't make any sense. And Ro uh, Rocco was frustrating with those because it was like he wasn't even ready for a single pass the whole first half. Like every time he caught the ball, like there was a time he caught the ball and had an open three, but he was like sideways to the three point line for absolutely yeah. no reason. And then he caught the ball. He's like, oh, wait, maybe I should shoot. And then the defender was there. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll pass. Right. He had a, the one where he just threw the ball out of bounds, which made absolutely no sense. He had the play in which he was open in the middle of the key and fumbled the ball for no reason. It's just Rocco, two out of the three games, Rocco has not been mentally in it at all. Mm -hmm. One was game one against Harrison Barnes when he got lit up. Yeah. And one was tonight in game three. And when you're a role player who's, uh, you know, supposed to be a 3 and D guy and kind of the linchpin of the defense, Yusuf Nurkic is kind of the X factor. I'll call Robert Covington the linchpin. All right, like he's the guy who is the secondary rim protector. If Nurkic is out pressuring the screens, he's the guy who will have to chase around the best forward most of the time. He's supposedly our best off-ball defender, right? And he's a guy that's supposed to play smart, make the right decisions on offense, be solid there, knock down some threes, and then be an elite off-ball defender. If he is not mentally in games, we're already at a deficit at that position. Because it's not like he's going to do anything offensively outside of hit a three or two. And if you're not mentally locked in defensively, you're not going to be a good defender, even if you're a Robert Covington. That's what's disappointing about this is Rocco was a really good defensive player that last year and I think became underrated. The problem is two out of three games this year, he's been a bad defender and then offensively has just been very, very poor in terms of not making a high percentage of his shots and then some of the passes or decisions he's making have me scratching my head right now. Sorry, I didn't bring this up post-game show, game two, because, mm -hmm. you know, it was all happy and stuff like that. Go watch the very first play after the jump ball of the Phoenix game. Rocco just falls asleep in the middle of the key and Crowder gets a wide-open three off the tip jump ball. And I don't know what the heck his problem is right now, but um, like, luckily Crowder misses it, you know, but like, like they literally just dribble the ball up and Crowder's just standing there, pass the Crowder wide open, rope goes like, oh crap, weak close out. <laughs> um, and I don't know what's, what's going on, but he is not locked in at all. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, this Maybe is he needs not... to stop wearing the mask, man. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Nothing explains it. Um, but, like, uh, 
I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold three games against him for something that he's been consistent with his whole career on that end. But um, like, we need him this year to be that help defender that he's known as. And I think he got a little bit um, crapped on last year because he had to guard on ball way too much in our defensive scheme. And I think that that kind of, especially against like uh, quicker guards, he, he cannot guard um, like quick, fast guards like De'Aaron Fox and stuff like that. So, and we saw, you know, him having to guard Fox a lot in the first game. But like, um, so the adjustment would be to have him play off ball where he's more comfortable. But if he's this bad off ball, like, uh, I mean, I hate to say this, I, I, it's still three games. So, um, he obviously is good enough to to improve this, but is almost to the point where you can't play him right now if he's going to be this bad on both ends. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing. Shout out Portland too fresh for the five dollar dono. He says Nurk and Roko are trash. No way we can go far in the playoffs with those inconsistent players. <laughs> this roster is not set up to go far in the playoffs, and I'm not going to come to any conclusions because of Roko's three games. He's been a right. guy who's been consistently, like, mentally locked in on the defensive side like, throughout his career. So I'm not going to emotionally overreact to three games of Roko not being locked in, especially when one of those games we blew out the Phoenix Suns. I'm not going to to sit here and get so emotionally over the top that I'm not thinking logically, right? We'll bring you guys logical breakdowns on these post-game shows, no matter how bad the win is, uh, or not how bad the win is, no matter how bad the loss is, no matter how good the win is, uh, we'll get excited for wins, we'll show some emotion, but overall, it's, he's not mentally locked in right now, and he has to change that, that's, as simple as you put it. And sure, maybe he doesn't get locked in. And then the deadline, I'll probably be saying, okay, gotta, gotta upgrade him. Gotta get something yeah. else there. Because Rocco, if he's not mentally locked in, if he's playing like the last three games, he's not a positive contributor on this team. But I'm not going well, to take three games and, and think mm -hmm. about it that emotionally. Well, Adam Smith brings up that he struggled shooting last year. But that was... That's fine. Like, if, if he's just playing normal but not hitting threes right now that's totally fine but like you said i counted four times in the first half where he caught the ball off a good pass after we had pretty good movement on offense found the right open shooter and he wasn't even ready to shoot the ball and kind of like stumbled a little bit mm -hmm. and was like not ready to catch and shoot and that cost us like four possessions because we ended up turning it over on almost all of those and um like those kind of situations can't happen. Like if you're if you're in the game to be uh, our locked in off ball defender and to shoot threes on the other end, you have to be prepared to do both. And right now he's not. So yeah, uh, hopefully he just gets that out of his <laughs> out of his mm -hmm. system and he'll mm -hmm. be fine. I, I I do think um, part of the problem is. If Dame's struggling, it kind of brings the whole team down at times, too. And Dame had a pretty good game other than the threes in game two. So, like, it was fine. He missed some threes because he did, like, everything else good, you know? But, like, it kind of, it kind of, especially the starting lineup, if he's not going to, um, if he's not playing well, then Rocco doesn't get open as much. And, and then there's more pressure on those guys to make shots when they get them. 
and things like that. So a little bit, I think, is all these guys. Um, we haven't really talked about Nurk yet, but he was absolutely terrible tonight too. Yeah. Um, so like uh, <laughs> those guys thrive off Dame doing his thing, and that sucks the defense in, and the defense is all focused on Dame. Well, the defense barely even has to guard Dame right now <laughs> on the perimeter, and uh, until that changes, I'm not worried about it like not changing because it well Dame will be fine. Uh, it's just until that happens, uh, I, I think all these guys are going to struggle trying to pick it up or they, they finally get a shot and, you know, Dame's missed a few, so we need a basket or whatever. And they they have put that much more pressure on those shots. So, um, yeah, we're, we're – uh, I mean, it's not like we go as far as Dame goes because obviously we need him to play well, but, like, him playing well makes all those guys better. And that's what makes Dame one of the best players in the league is he can, he can elevate a team and get, get guys to uh, have career years shooting the ball or, or career years, um, you know, doing things uh, with the lack of attention they get. So uh, <clears throat> we really need Dame to step up and we can't have everyone else completely crap the bed in the meantime, because it's just yeah i mean this was this was an all-around just putrid effort from every single player tonight and that's the thing is like if we had an offensive game like this against the sun sure we probably lose we only had 86 points but we would have given ourselves a chance because our defense was so locked in and we were able to manufacture easier buckets and a lot of our offense actually came off playing good defense uh in that sun's game and kind of helped us build a rhythm so that's the thing is like you're gonna have nights where shots aren't falling maybe dame shoots out for eight like they may try to miss threes you know what i mean he has to figure out what's wrong with his shot right now maybe it's a situation where he has to get used to the new basketball they're playing with this year. They're playing with a Wilson ball instead of a Spalding ball, and that might seem ridiculous to, to some people, but the, the type of basketball, it feels a little bit different. So I don't know what the deal is with Dame. I'm not trying to make any excuses for him, but it's not like he's sitting here trying to miss threes like he's trying to make threes maybe he shouldn't force a couple when he's cold so you can criticize those and I, mm -hmm. there was a couple tonight that he shot that i don't think he should have shot but also that 30 footer if, was bad <laughs> if he's not aggressive though eric like yeah. he's going to get his shot back and his rhythm back mm -hmm. by being more aggressive right so i don't uh i don't know how else he supposed to get his rhythm back unless he kind of looks for the three-point shot maybe needs to pick his spots a little bit better but overall it's something where you don't want him to just stop looking for three-point shots if he's struggling you want him to get going so there's only one way to do that is by getting up three so that's the thing is and i've said this last year on a lot of post-game shows you control the controllables okay team might go 0 for 8 he can't technically control that on like a night in night out basis or else he'd just go eight for eight all the time if he was in complete control of that right the things you can control defensive intensity defensive rotations uh, just stuff like that that's the thing is in the phoenix game not only were we hitting shots but in terms of the things we could control uh, such as our defense we were doing a really good job so that's the thing is you want to get to the point where even if you have a bad shooting night as a team, you're able to be in games. And the only way you do that is by coming out with defensive intensity and playing smart defense, rotating correctly and rotating quickly because that was a problem tonight. Uh, and you do it that way. So I can live with a poor shooting night or a couple poor shooting nights from Dame. I can't live with 
how they came out with the lack of intensity today and the lack of focus. That's where everything kind of comes back to for me. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And uh, so, like, people's mix acts, aren't they running off-ball stuff for Dame? He's getting pretty good shots. Like, a lot of his threes, I mean, obviously, those couple he forced weren't good. But most of them, they're, they're clean looks. They're ones that Dame should knock down. I don't think this is a case of him struggling with the new offense or trying to learn something different or playing off ball. I just think he just can't hit a three right now. And sometimes that happens to a shooter. Like, no, these guys aren't perfect. Like, they're going to go through stretches. And we've seen Dame start off seasons shooting the ball poorly before. Not this bad, but um, but just to see, like, him – uh, I mean, obviously that one was a bad shot that he hit nothing but backboard. But um, and then the other one, I think, got tipped by yeah, Zubac, one of them but, got blocked. But the the wide open air ball, like when when do you see Dame do that? Like wide open, and uh, yeah. which he had the the third one was an actual air ball. So uh, I mean, the guys just I really think I thought. I thought this would change after we finally got some baskets to go in and the team had a good game and then it was like, okay, fine, we're all relaxed now. But they came out like tight once again and I, I don't know if they're just trying to impress Chauncey or they're trying to – everyone's trying to make it seem like it's not their fault, but they're not really playing like a team and they're not really playing uh, – like the way they they're all capable of and um you can people in chat can say people are trash all 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 they want but there's good players on this team and they've made good plays in the past they've had good games they've had really good stretches um someone like nurk was playing at an all-star level uh just a couple years ago and has shown flashes of getting back to that at times um, he's not as bad as he played tonight, but you can't have these games like Here's tonight. Here's the thing with Nurkic, though. Here's the thing with Nurkic, and we'll go through individual players. I'll get the graphics up so we can look at them statistically. Uh, but uh, he was averaging 15 points per game, I think 14.5 points per game going into tonight, shooting 58% from the field. And that was him. that was with him shooting more threes than usual. So the first two games, I think overall he was fine. In game one, he had 20 points and 14 rebounds and shot 6 for 10. You know, so that's the thing is Nurkic has a bad game like this where obviously he wasn't locked in and people just freak out and call him trash. And that's just ridiculous to me, man. You can talk about what he's doing wrong and, you know, he was not mentally locked into this game either. He made some dumb passing decisions. He tried to hit the initial action on multiple sets when it wasn't there and he should have went to the next thing. You know, that's what we'll always try and do is actually talk about what happened instead of just sitting here being emotional saying Nurkic is so trash screw him trade him yada 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 that stuff is just I understand being frustrated with him but at that point it's just being over the top in my opinion and you know people can say that whatever it's just I'm not sitting here saying he had a good game it's just at some point you know he'll be better and he was better the first two games of this year it's like if cj mccollum struggled to shoot the ball tonight eric people would be saying the same thing about him despite how great he was the first two games you know what i'm saying so i just the the over emotional stuff to start the season uh is is a little bit much 
for me. It's going to be a work in progress. It's uh, Nurkic is going to be inconsistent and have nights like this. Here's the thing, though. The whole team struggled tonight. Um, Nurkic was probably the worst player out there on the court on the offensive end, but overall, it's not like the rest of the team did well and he held them back. And it's not like you know, the rest of the team came out with intensity and he didn't. This is a whole team-wide issue tonight where the whole team struggled to come out with intensity. So just picking one guy and scapegoating him and, and ranting about him and uh, talking about how he's trash and all this kind of stuff is, is I don't know. I'm, I'm not with that. You guys can, can say what you want. Obviously, we're not going to ban anybody for saying that type of stuff in chat, but... Uh, that's just not how <laughs> how I like to view things right now. Well, and you know who agrees with us? Who? Chauncey Billups. Yep. Yep. And he, give Chauncey some time to see if he can fix it. It after three games, he's got to be given time to fix it. And I know that's not what people want to hear, but Nurk's not just going to go to being this inconsistent, lazy fat whiner that chat saying he is to oh the best player in the league like oh i ever but like he was playing well up until tonight like whether you want to admit it or not this drives me crazy because he comes he comes to the team right and it's nurk fever and he's just dominant right he's like the best player ever he's like we're amazing right when he plays and then the next year he comes out basically has the same exact stats and everyone's like, oh, Nurk is washed. He sucks this year. We need to get Nurk fever back, blah, blah, blah. But he played exactly the same way as he did that entire season. His stats were almost identical. You can you can check it out if you don't believe me. And then um, all of a sudden, once he gets back in the rhythm, um, that second season, uh, full season in Portland, he's improving game and game to the point where he is mentally locked in every game, just mm-hmm. dominating games averaging like 20 and 14 or something for like a month stretch almost two month stretch and he gets hurt and that they don't you don't just lose that like he is going to work back to somewhat being like that you don't just go from being that way to complete bum like who can't do anything on the court so yes this was a terrible game he was awful tonight like like he shouldn't even have been in the game that bad tonight but like there is still a greater possibility of him becoming a player that helps us win games under Chauncey Billups than his value in a trade. Because if you think that he does not have any value in a trade to other teams to get something useful, like I I saw someone mention we should trade him for Christian Wood or, or uh, Miles Bridges or something like that. Eric, those teams aren't going to trade those players for him. Like, you you got to love the narrative that, oh, CJ McCollum or Yusuf Nurkic sucks. Now go trade him for an all-star. Yeah. I've, that's never made sense to me. Never, ever, ever made sense to me. You can't. They can't be trash, and then you also easily trade them for an all-star. Right? Like, how do you expect to flip what you think is trash for an all-star caliber player? I've never gotten that. And... Honestly, there aren't that many centers in the in the league that are consistent night in and night out. <coughs> like it's just it's just a fact of the NBA. There there's not a lot of consistent centers. Freaking Miles Turner had like 40 points one game and then scores like two points the next game. Like and was absolutely terrible the next game on both ends as well. Like I, I don't know. It's just like there's so many players out there that are like that. 
And no, we're not just trying to praise Nurk for the sake of it. That's that's not what we're doing, Kyle. Like we're just like I don't know. It's just it's just anytime anyone has a bad game, it's like they're they're the worst player ever and they're trash. Like it's not that's not the case. This starting lineup is really good. The numbers prove that this starting lineup. We didn't have Norm tonight, but there it's proven that this starting lineup is good on both ends of the court. They're one of the best offenses, if not the best in the entire NBA. And they have consistently shown that this starting lineup is actually good at defense, despite what the overall numbers say, the actual starting lineup has been good in the years past. And then you mix that in with a better defense from the bench. And this, this should eventually work out. So, if you want to keep complaining, it's fine, but the numbers don't support that these guys are trash. They aren't. They're fine, and they will be fine. And this was disappointing. I, I don't know how many times I have to say it. I am embarrassed by the way they played. Roko was terrible. Uh, Nance was terrible. Nurk was terrible. Dane was awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nas had a few moments, but he also fell asleep a bunch while guarding Paul George in the first quarter. And you can't do that. Like you cannot come into a game and lose Paul George like five plays in a row and and let him play make and just dictate the flow of the game. Um, And, you know, he had that terrible and one three pointer foul on um, uh, what's his name? Kennard who absolutely torched us tonight. Um, Like everyone was terrible. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not here saying, oh yeah, yeah. Praise these guys. They did awesome tonight. They they gave their best effort. They didn't. They didn't. They did not give their best effort. They might as well have not even shown up for this game. That's how bad it was. Um, but it's like, just a it's just a situation where it's like after it lost this bad early on in the season, if you try and think things about logically, the people that are super frustrated and in their emotions will just like hate it. Mm-hmm. Will just hate it. So. Uh, Portland Too Fresh, if you keep being toxic towards us in our chat, we will put you on a permaban. Um, also appreciate the dono, Portland Too Fresh, the $5 dono. He says, we better hope this team get home court advantage because I can't see this team beating anyone in a seven-game series. Olshe loves running it back, shaking my head. Appreciate the dono from Portland Too Fresh. Just try not to get toxic with him, man. This is the first time of the season. Eric, let's just... Every season, <laughs> there's always like yeah. the first time where we have to sit here and be like, yeah. relax don't be toxic chill and tonight is the first night of the season for that uh shout out rip city 1977 aka brady uh with a two dollar dono he has two two dollar donos uh the first one says up, we are three games into an 82 game season three games into the 82 game season the second dono says people ready to hit the panic button already lol and yes people are already hitting the panic button man it's it's crazy it's crazy um Anyway, but... well, here's the thing too. Uh, so people are acting like if we're terrible, like 30 games into the season, if this is still really bad, that we're just gonna go down with this lineup. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that's when things are gonna start happening. I mean, you you can blame Olshay all you want for running it back, and. If it doesn't work out, he'll he'll ultimately pay the price for that. But I don't believe for one second that he is going to go down with that ship without at least a fight if something doesn't get better. Like if we're if we're looking this bad consistently, um, games you know twenty games from now, 
there's no way that Olshe won't consider making a move and probably making a move just to mix it up and see if something else can happen because he knows he's he's out of excuses he blamed it all on the on the coaching staff last year which i thought was fair um i felt like the coaching staff did not do any of the changes that they had discussed when they brought in different personnel last season and that cost them the season and i would have been mad if i was olshay as well and now we sit here he fires the coach and blames him for it um which i like i said i agree with but it's on him now if he doesn't fix it if it continues to go this way so i'm not worried about it continuing this way because i feel like if anything uh chauncey is the right guy to navigate this and to figure it out but at the same time if it does either olshay is going to eventually pay the price for it at the end of the season or he's going to have to make a move during the season and either way um that'll be the outcome so i'm not worried about what's going to happen there because it's going to come to an end whether it's he finally decides to change the roster or he finally uh (laughs) doesn't and he gets canned or this roster actually figures it out and plays well yep uh shout out gray who's investigates for the five dollar dono he says have you ever seen a game with that many fumbled balls and lazy whack turnovers 30 turnovers that's hard to do but they will bounce back this hopefully this is the worst turnover game of the season because it was very rough appreciate the dono gray hughes yeah here's the thing man it's just this is the floor right tonight was the floor game two might have been the ceiling all right, maybe mm-hmm. they can get a little bit better. I mean, there's they made some mistakes in game two. They played a great game, though. So I just hate it. Like, there's this certain fan out there who will have a game like game two. And me and you were, an exci- were excited, but we said we have to see this consistently. This isn't necessarily what the team is going to be on a night-in, night-out basis. Right. This just so- shows what we're capable of, and we're going to enjoy it. That was our whole point in game number two, right? That's the ceiling. There's a certain type of fan who was in the chat, and this is an and, and this is not towards anybody in particular. There's just a certain type of fan that in our chat would be saying, "Oh, Phoenix was on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, they they were tired. They just had an emotional win over the over the Lakers. So don't get too excited, right?" But then, right after a game which maybe showed our ceiling, we play a game tonight at our floor. And people act like the floor is what this team is. Yeah. Those same people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those same people act like this floor is what the team is. Oh, don't get too high on them. It was a done. Phoenix was on a back to back. And then we play our worst possible game. And it's, oh, all of them suck. Screw Olshay. You know, we're not going to make the playoffs. We're yada, yada, yada. It's like, come on. You can't have it both ways. The team is not who they are on their worst night the team is not who they are on their best night on average they're going to be in between that you want to try and trend towards having more good nights than bad nights but bad nights are going to happen what you can do on those bad nights is address it point it out learn from it improve from it there's a reason it's an 82 game season instead of a three game season right so that's the thing and that's what that's how we'll approach it is what can we improve on and if we don't see any improvement in the long run we're going to criticize it a ton and we'll be as critical as anyone that's why we were so critical last year with terry stotts is because there was no improvement with anything defensively with mm-hmm. this team and the offense was literally basically rat ball so well, that's try to improve those things yeah so there was no improvement over the long run and we were insanely critical about it 
to the point that we were known as the most critical platform out there. It's funny how people are new to us now and say, <laughs> wow, you guys aren't critical enough. You guys are too positive. No, we talk about what we see. In the long run, we'll see if it improves. I think it will because I think we're actually trying to improve everything that has been an issue in previous seasons where previous seasons we didn't try and improve it. So I understand being frustrated. Let's just not act like this team on average is the team we saw tonight, right? It's somewhere in between this game and last game. And we got to well, try and trend upwards. Well, then you got people like Bando saying, Roko is a small forward. He's too weak to be a four. Okay. We've played Harrison Barnes, Jay Crowder, and now... Marcus Nick- Morris. Slash Nicholas Batum. Morris Nick didn't Batum. even play in this game. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are the three power forwards we played. And you say Roko is trash. How is that a good analysis, man? Like, you're, you're just saying stuff to say it because you think it sounds That's smart, exactly my... Not. That's it's, exactly it's my point. Dumb. It's not anything that happened. Nothing yeah. Rocco has done on the floor is because he's too small. Uh, same with Norman Powell. Same with CJ. Same with Dane. There has not been a single thing this year because those guys are too small to do anything or their defense isn't strong enough or whatever. It's they're getting beat off ball with lazy and, and bad rotations. And until those get cleaned up, which they are trying to clean up, it's not going to look pretty. And until Rocco has a game where someone beats him in the post and he just gets absolutely dominated on the boards, which is not happening, um, like then you can say that. But and, until that, just stop making stuff up to fit a narrative because that's just you're just you have plenty of stuff from this game. It's the same thing I've said about Olshay haters all summer making up stuff about Olshay, making up narratives that Jody and him are feuding and all this stuff like. There's plenty of bad things to criticize him for. Just stick to all the bad things. Like, Rocco was absolutely brutal in this game. He was non-factor on offense and made some of the most boneheaded, dumb defensive lapses that I've seen out of a good defender in a long time. So stick to that. You don't have to make stuff up about how he's too weak at the four. That's, <laughs> too weak to deal with Nick Batum, dude, apparently. <laughs> the dude's been a center for a, for half a season on another team. Like, how is playing him at small forward better than... I don't just people drive me crazy when yeah and it's the same thing like that doesn't make sense for opening night Norman Powell was getting blamed like oh Norman Powell's too small to deal with Harrison Barnes that's why he went off when Harrison Barnes was a starting power forward and I looked back on all eight of his threes and I included them in the film film breakdown for any of those of you who are channel members and were able to watch that film breakdown you'll see that none of those were due to Norman Powell none of those were due Mm -hmm. to Norman Powell but people want to confirm their narrative and will make things up to do so such as Norman Powell's being too small at the three is why Harrison Barnes got all those threes when if you just go back and watch the tape that's not what happened so that's I've seen that more this year than in previous seasons I don't know why but it's becoming frustrating how people will make up things in order to confirm their own negative narratives just watch the game and talk about it. That's what we'll always try and do. If we're wrong on stuff, we're wrong on stuff. That's completely fine. I do not care if we're right or wrong. I want this team to be the best team possible, and I will talk about the game. It's literally, literally that simple. So that's what we're going to continue to try and do tonight on this post-game show. We're going to get to individual players here. Eric, do you want? is there anything else that you want to get off the chest right now? I'm just no, as frustrated just, as you are. <laughs> and... Just so everyone knows, it's not, it's not you guys. It's, it's just, it's just a few people. It's like, 
Yeah. And it's, we're not sitting here trying to justify anything that happened tonight. I wanted to come on here and just talk about how bad this game was and what happened, why we were so bad in the game tonight. And it, it doesn't mean that all our players all of a sudden are the worst players at their position in the league and this will never work. And like, I don't understand how we can go from looking like we did on Saturday to two days later saying like, none of these guys can ever do anything good on the basketball court ever again, just cut all of them, you know? It's just so dumb. It's like, uh, so just don't have that narrative. Like we want you guys to have, be like, positive high IQ basketball fans and that's hopefully what we try to show you guys um and, and that's what we want you guys to learn from watching this show so don't come in with this like stupid crap that is so childish and stuff like that just let's talk ball let's talk about why Roko's struggling this year let's let's break that down that way but if you just call him trash and consistently just like say stuff like that that's not going to help our conversation and it's not going to help us learn why we're struggling and why it's taking some of these guys um longer to to learn what's going on Mm -hmm. that should have been our whole post game show eric we should have went live and said guys (laughs) nurkic is garbage and roko is trash (laughs) anyway thank you for watching the blazers uprise post game show peace out go blazers (laughs) that'd been that'd been easy (laughs) hmm Anyway, let's jump into team stats. Let's let's take a look. It's, this is going to be brutal, but let's take a look at the team stats tonight. The Blazers with 86 points. Los Angeles Clippers with 116. We're going uh, to go from first to worst in offensive rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we Pretty are. It, it doesn't look good. Uh, we shoot 38% from the field, 21% from three. So even when we weren't turning the ball over, it was still bad. We could not hit shots. And the thing is, is we got some quality looks and weren't hidden. Simons wasn't hidden. CJ wasn't... CJ hit some, but to start the game, he was, I think, 0 for 4 on four good three-point looks. And then he hit the hard one. You know, it's like he hit the harder threes instead of the easier threes, which, over the long run, I don't think that'll continue to be that way. But, you know, he's used to hard threes, so it is kind of weird how... We get him higher quality looks and he misses to start this game. But sometimes, nice just go like that. The Clippers... Only shot 33% from three. They did their damage inside the arc. They were 30 for 50 inside the arc. That's 60%. It has to be better. Uh, They Mm -hmm. kind of picked us apart with the (coughs) pass because we were rotating too slow and they were able to get looks on the interior because of that. Uh, Rebounds weren't an issue. Rebounding wasn't an issue. Only 15 assists for the Blazers, 37 for the Clippers. We have a two to, we have a one to two assist to turnover ratio. That's that's the issue right there. How do we rebound out rebound them? We're weak and we all our players suck and um we're we're outsized <laughs> at every position, right? Yeah, yeah. But like game one we struggled in transition, right? You know, oh Roko's not big enough to defend in transition, apparently, which makes absolutely no sense. And then I don't know. We're controlling the boards. Boards haven't really been a problem. And we controlled the interior against the Suns, and Rocco was a big part of that. He has a 7'1 wingspan, uh, and he can be a secondary rim protector, and there's possessions like that in game number two because he was locked in a little bit more. Uh, he still had some lapses at the start of the game, like you pointed out with the Jay Crowder three off the tip. You know, there he still had lapses in game two despite the rest of the team being locked in. The thing is, is... If he's not locked in defensively, he's going to be worse defensively. And just call it what it is, that's entirely what it is. It's not because he's too weak or too short or whatnot, you know. he. Uh, and if you look at standing reach, he's 
adequately sized for the power forward position. Uh, other stats to look at, we did get 40 points in the paint. They got 50. Only eight fast break points, Eric. And this is something, I don't know. It's like when our defense struggles, we don't get out and run either. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like we're not able to get easy looks in transition when our shots aren't falling if we don't play defense. Okay. And against the Suns, we got some fast break points because we were playing good defense and we were able to get run out opportunities. It's just frustrating to see the way we shot tonight and the amount of turnovers we had and then look and only see eight fast break points because that's the one way where you can make things easier on yourself is to get out and run. Get yep. out and try and make things happen in transition. Yep, completely agree. We need to find a way to get easy baskets, especially when the shots aren't falling. And that's why you run or why you push in transition is to occasionally get a layup or a dunk um, instead of having to work 20 seconds every shot clock. It seemed like we were fighting um, the shot clock a lot, and then we got into the ISO mode because nothing was happening, and then CJ has to dribble 10 times, you know. Um, So that happened a lot in the first quarter, I felt like. Um, But honestly – 14 fast break points for the Clippers when you have 30 turnovers is actually incredibly good. <laughs> that's like that's like elite um, defense for transition considering the turnovers. Um, I know that I'm kind of being sarcastic, even though it's it's true. But like we should have given up a lot more points in transition off of how many live turnovers we had in this game. Um, so at least. I guess we could say we got back on defense a little bit (laughs) even after those turnovers. So I guess that's one positive from tonight, but anytime you turn the ball over 30 times, you're never going to win a game and then combine that with 15 assists. So you have a, a, like a a negative um, assist to turnover ratio. Like that's never going to, that's never going to lead to success on the court and uh, getting out and running helps a lot to that. And then not making stupid decisions with the ball. Yeah, and that's the thing is we, while we struggle defensively, you make it a lot harder on yourself when you turn the ball over. You make it a lot harder on yourself because you get cross-matched. Sometimes if you're going back on defense in transition, you're not able to get your normal assignment because otherwise that guy might have a layup at the rim or be able to push coast-to-coast in transition. Somebody else might have to pick up ball, etc. So that's the thing is if you're turning over the ball a lot, it leads to transition opportunities in which you can end up mismatched and then they're able to exploit that mismatch in the following half-court possession. So we don't do ourselves any favors defensively when we turn over the ball like this. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read Portland 2 Fresh's donation, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had a $5 donation. And, uh, man, I'm I'm just going to say before I read it, I'm sick of this. I'm so sick of this. I've been a fan since 04, and I just want to see this team bring a chip to PDX. So sick of getting bounced year after year. Witness too many lows. So first question I'll ask you, do you think Tori and I don't want us to win a chip? Is that what you're like? Are you actually trying to make that point that you're you're a true fan? You've been a fan so long and no one else wants it as bad as you. Dude, I was so mad watching this game. I was like throwing crap. I was mad that they came out and played this bad after the way they looked on, on uh, Saturday. I thought this was a good opportunity for them to come out and show something. I'm 42 years old. I've been a fan my whole life. I was born in 79. I don't remember a time since I can remember that I wasn't a Blazer fan and a diehard one, even at a young age, I was getting mad 11 years old and we were losing in the finals. I, that like ruined my life that we didn't win a championship in that with those teams in the eighties. So 
I get, get out of here with this. You're so sick of it. You just want to, you just want a championship. Dude, I would do anything that would make my entire life. I, I have, I have such a good life outside of sports, like sports ruins my life. But if I am able to witness the Blazers winning a championship, that would be outside of family stuff and things that have happened, you know, obviously getting married and having kids and all that stuff is great. But outside of that, like that would be the single greatest moment of my life. And I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not too like, I know that's lame um, to some people, but like, I would seriously have an emotional breakdown. I don't know how I, how I could handle watching videos like I did with Giannis this year after he won a championship and stuff like that. Cause I got emotional just watching Giannis and I don't even care about the Bucks. So like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. like I can't imagine if that's Dame talking about how he stayed in Portland and we finally won a championship mm-hmm. or something like that. So like, get out of here with this crap. I want that just as bad as any person in this world. And I'm just not sitting here trying to tell you that I want it more than anyone else. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people just like me that want it just as bad as me. Um, but like, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I've said that many times on this show. Um, and, and I'm, I'm glad you're a fan. And I, I, I agree with you that we don't want to get bounced in the playoffs every year. We don't want that. Like we're not sitting here saying, Oh, let's just keep this crappy team. And hopefully we lose in six games instead of four this year in the playoffs, you know, or whatever, you know, that's not what we're saying. Um, like I, honestly, I wouldn't even be happy if we win the first round and get, you know, crapped on in the second round. I, I, I want us to actually contend and not just like in 2019 when we make to the Western Conference Finals and lose all four games. I want to actually have a chance in that series to maybe go to the finals and maybe win a championship like Phoenix should have last year. And I, I just, it, it's, it does us no good to sit here and trash the team because uh, it, it's just, it's not how, it's not going to accomplish that. And you mentioned several times that you want to trade for Siakam. If, in case you have missed it, Tori and I, especially Tori, that's all he talked about all summer was wanting to trade for <laughs> Siakam. Like we would do anything to get Siakam on this team. I think that's the perfect player for this roster um, when he's healthy. So like, yes, I would do anything to trade for us a Pascal Siakam or make a good trade to where we improve this team and it takes us over the hump but it's just not on the table right now and hopefully the raptors get to a point where they realize barnes is is so good that they don't want to cut his minutes when siakam gets back but at this point who knows what they're going to do so I, I just please ease off of this this notion that if you're trashing the team it's because of how passionate you are and how you want to win because tori and i i guarantee you I'll put our fandom up against anyone's in terms of just wanting it as bad as anyone else out there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, I don't know. I can see being frustrated and trying to justify the frustrations with your fan that really wants to win. Uh, nope. Nobody is saying fans shouldn't be frustrated about this game. All right? I, I'll be the last one to say, oh, you shouldn't be frustrated in this game because I'm super frustrated with this game. It's just... There's a certain point where it becomes not even like based on what's actually happened, where it's just trashing a player and or making stuff up. Uh, and I'm not saying anybody in particular is doing that. I've seen it throughout chat from multiple people after this game, and I see it on Twitter. And, you know, people will take this loss and spin it in a way to make it out like the roster sucks. And, you know, they'll fit it to their narrative, man. And, uh, and then they'll tell us we're not 
critical enough. That's something we've heard a lot, and that's just crazy to me. So, I don't know. It's appreciate the donation, and I understand mm-hmm. your frustration. Uh, I'm just as frustrated as you are. There's just a point where I don't want to come up here on a post game show, super like emotional, and just speak nonsense. I want to come up here and talk about what I saw. I want to watch games and like actually break down what I saw. So, you know, I used to, after a game when I was like 18, 19 years old, I'd, I'd be super frustrated towards players and just, oh, they're so trash. They're terrible. They're blah. Like, I used to be like that. And I understand the frustration behind it. It's just, at this point, especially with a new coach who's trying his best to fix the things that were an issue, mm-hmm. now more than ever, people should have patience. But it seems like it's the opposite. Now more than ever, people have no patience at all. Game three, yeah. so that's that's just that's where the frustration I think comes in from me and you, Eric, is because we see what Chauncey's trying to do with this team, and we see the progress in game two, and it's like it's going to be a work in progress. But we're finally trying to fix the things that we needed to fix. So in the long run, we should be fine. It might it might take some growing pains, and then when we have a growing pain, people freak out. <laughs> well, I mean, I get people's frustration because. Uh, Dame himself has said that he's still going to be in his prime for several more years, but I get that people are impatient and that we've had Dame for all this time and we haven't really made, um, I mean, we've made moves. People, people just want to poop on him, but, um, we've made really (laughs) good moves, uh, lately. Uh, Norman Powell is a great player. Roko, whether you like him or not, is usually a really good player. Nurkic is a good player. Uh, he, Dame has talent on this roster. Our bench is vastly improved this year. Um, and I know they, they were bad tonight. Uh, actually, Simons wasn't too bad tonight. He was he's probably the one player that yeah. actually played well off the bench. But We'll talk about individual players <laughs> yeah. next. Let's, you want right. to do that after I think this, Dono? Well, let me just finish. Uh, yeah. So it's just like we it's it's a tough balance so i understand i understand that people are frustrated because they want to witness dame have a better team around him but dame himself believes that this team is there and he even said it like he wants to win for chauncey and you could see it in the locker room after last game dame he didn't say coach or whatever he said that's my boy Yes, we won for my boy. That's what he said about Chauncey when he handed him the game ball. And whether you like respect that or not, or think this team is good enough, Dame still believes in this team, and Chauncey believes in this team. And I just want to everything that's happened this last nine years isn't Chauncey's fault. He's trying to do the things that we think will lead to a championship. And until he's stops doing those things or stops preaching those things or it's just obvious that he can't implement those things and just cannot get through and cannot fix what's wrong with this team until i know for sure that that's the case i'm going to believe that chauncey is the right guy to do that and that this roster is still capable of that and that may be foolish it may you um i've already said this uh you know multiple times if I'm wrong about that, I will gladly admit that I was wrong about this roster and that there was no fixing it and we should have made a bigger move and it was it was dumb to run it back. But I do not think that's the case. This this roster is talented and I still think we're going to be uh, right up there with the contenders when all is said and done. 
Yep, let me thank a couple donations, then we'll look at a couple tweets, then we'll look at players, then we'll watch the Chauncey Billups interview. That's what the rest of this stream is going to be. Shout out to Dro for the $5 dono. He says, Game 3 and people are tripping. We have made more strides in three games than in seven years under Stotts. This is a new system. We are very talented. And we had a better game last game than I think we had all year last year, right? And we had a lot of games like this against the Clippers that we had tonight where it was just absolute duds. So... Yeah, we said one and two, and we're coming off a really bad blowout loss, but we've shown signs of progress, in my opinion. Mm. No signs tonight, but if you look at that Suns game, man, that's uh, a better game than we had all year last year. So it's just trying to do the things we did in that Suns game more consistently and just not come out with this level of intensity that we did tonight. Do you want to yeah. say something? Um. Well, what's up, Drew? Uh, thanks for the dono. Uh, yeah, it's just... I don't know. I, I I get people's points. Like, you know, I, I see this stuff. Like, oh, you're talking all this stuff about how the system's changed, but then game three, now it's back to, oh, got to break habits again. No one said the habits were broken. It doesn't <laughs> happen that way. And that's, that's the thing. Like, um, I've never smoked in my life, right? But... Um, like if you're people who smoke cigarettes or whatever, sometimes you'll go like a week without smoking cigarettes and then something will happen or you'll get drunk and mm -hmm. you'll, you'll light one up, you know, and, and go back to doing it. It's not like it just, you can't have relapses and it's not going to be perfect. So there's going to be times where it looks horrible. And I, I, I don't like how it looked tonight though. I don't like how it looked. I don't like that we're making mistakes that we weren't making or shouldn't be making at this stage. And it's it's effort related and just not falling asleep related. Those are the kind of habits that need to be broken quicker rather than later, or this team is always going to struggle on defense. So hopefully um, just getting this game film, once again, Chauncey has a lot of uh, stuff to put an address on it and show the players what they're doing wrong and how this is unacceptable when you fall asleep and, and miss a rotation or or close out poorly or whatever. Um, and he has a lot of those from tonight. So uh, I have a feeling he's going to be very heated tomorrow. Um, but at the same time, it's like we saw glimpses of it. And that's that's to me, that's promising that early on we saw what it's capable of if the team is clicking on all cylinders. So when we get to a point where it is happening more consistently and almost all the players don't all simultaneously have a bad game like tonight, I think that it'll look better in the end. And I, I know patience is tough, but and I'm not saying to be patient or whatever. It's fine if you don't want to be patient. But like I, I think the glimpse that we saw on Saturday is enough to make you believe that it's capable of happening if we just gave it a little bit of time. Yeah, and a lot of teams go through this. I mean, mm -hmm. Denver tonight lost by double digits at home to Cleveland. You know right. what I mean? So, But I see like the same people that are super pissed off about our loss saying, oh, Denver loses all the time to bad teams. They'll be fine. Like, You know what I mean? Yeah. But if that was us, they would not be saying the same thing. They'd be extremely frustrated. So uh, Mills Woj has a great $5 dono here. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it, Mills Woj. He says, peeps... The Suns started out 8-8 eight and eight and lost by 30 points to the Wizards 
in those first 16 games last season. The Bucks started out 0-3 last year. The end of the day, were 1-2. The two teams in the finals last year did not start off well at all. Did not start off well at all. And uh, uh, the Suns are a perfect example. They brought in Chris Paul and had some growing pains until they figured out how best to play with Chris Paul on the roster. We're going to have some growing pains under Chauncey Billups. And I've always said the first 20 games, we should just be aiming to stick around 500. We'd like to do a little bit better, but uh, sticking around 500 would be good enough. We have a hard early season schedule. So that's a great tw- uh, dono, Mills Woj. Appreciate it. Uh, shout out to Dame's Goat, $2 dono. He says, here, take some money. Gladly appreciate it. And then shout out Carlton Pagano Jackson with the $5 dono. He says, people will jump the gun always, even when we do good. They'll complain about something. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's absolutely a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, We just tripped and fell on our faces tonight, but we still got about, I don't know, 25 and a half miles to go in this marathon. So uh, hopefully we pick up the pace and see some progress in terms of the consistency doing the things that we did against the Phoenix Suns. So and anyway. I just didn't, I just didn't like the way it looked tonight. It's one thing if you lose, you know, let's say Dame struggles and we at least tried hard, but it, you know, Dame missed L for eight and what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> I mean, he just couldn't buy a bucket. Right. Um, that's going to happen throughout the season where some of our best offensive players struggle and we lose games because of it. But the inexplicable thing that could not happen is just the effort on defense. And if if they – we saw this last year, right? Mm-hmm. They said, oh, after the All-Star break, we're just going to magically be better because we want to be better, right? They're like, we want to be a top-four defense after the All-Star break. Okay, so what are you doing to fix it? We just want to be a, a top-four team. Like, <laughs> I don't know how. We're just going to be, right? We're going to will it to, to happen somehow, right? You can't do that. You cannot do that. You have to be locked in. You cannot have mental errors. You cannot mm-hmm. have all these mistakes. Um, and you cannot compound it by multiple players making mistakes on the same possession and stuff like that leading to open baskets. And you can't give up that many open baskets either. So um, give them time to fix this stuff. And hopefully it'll it'll happen that way. But if the players continue to make mental mistakes, they're going to have to make a move to bring in some people that won't make those mistakes, whether that's a Ben Simmons or someone who's like a really good defensive player or yeah. not. Um, but we're not at the point where we're talking right. trades. You know, know. The Ben Simmons saga is still playing out. So maybe that's the one guy, but that's the thing is like, people will come up and say, we need to trade. Like, let's just see what this roster looks like. And then if we need to make a move because we have enough of a sample size to come to conclusions, then we can make a move. And then we can know exactly what we're missing and what we need to go after on the trade deadline. Once the trade market heats up. And for the people who, uh, say oh we should just trade this person for this person and this person for this person and this person like so we should trade roko nurk and cj like right now um it's like okay what team has traded like most of their starters during the season and had any sort of success i mean i guess the closest thing would be brooklyn last year and they didn't really do much during the season i, I mean yeah and they they kind of struggled um with injuries and stuff obviously but like what team is trading players three games in like what <laughs> but, are we gonna get who's gonna <laughs> trade players to us three games in i well, the whole trade talk right now is just very premature there's there's much more chance there's a greater chance of this team getting to that point than it would be making 
several one-for-one trades and just somehow getting different pieces and that somehow working like that that's kind of a pipe dream and as much as i love trades and moves and things like that i i think the the right thing right now since you went into the offseason keeping the starting lineup is to let that play out and see if it can improve and show the things that they showed glimpses of um they showed glimpses of it last season too it's not like it was just one game um but yeah so uh it'll happen or or there will be moves um but i just don't think it's it's at a point now where making a bunch of moves will solve anything it'll just create different problems in my opinion yeah yeah different things to try and incorporate and get used to i agree mm-hmm. all right so if you don't follow us on twitter twitter links are down in the description box below i'm at tory jones yt eric's at who's shock the channel is at blazers uprise blazers uprise yt uh you can follow us and maybe you'll be new to twitter and you can actually see for your own eyes the stuff that we talk about seeing on our some of our post game shows because twitter is a wild place when the blazers lose like they did tonight speaking of twitter let's jump into tweets of the game really quick we got three tweets use hashtag blazers uprise during blazer games for a chance to have your tweet included here in this tweets of the game segment shout out mike mole he says, I'm just wondering if at Tory Jones, YT's shot was still <laughs> off in his most recent pickup game because according to his theory, when he shoots bad, Dame also shoots bad. I am telling you guys, there's there's some wild correlation. And it's, it's a coincidence, but like it's such a coincidence to the point where like I've shot the worst I've shot since like I've been able to play basketball in the last year. Like I probably have in the worst shooting week or two in the past year. And I would say the same for Dame. I don't know. So I got Rec League tomorrow, Eric. I'm going to try and get my shot right. If my shot is right, I will tweet about it. You're going to think about it too much. And then, no, no. If I, dude, I, there's a lot of pressure on me, man. There's a lot of pressure <laughs> on me. I got to step up. Uh, but <laughs> it's just, I don't know. And I've talked about it in the past, and there's just a wild correlation there, man. I, I don't know. Um, it's obviously not dude. real. But I will tell you guys how I shoot tomorrow. I got rec league tomorrow, All so right. if we shoot good, we'll see how Dame shoots on Wednesday. And then if he sh- has a great shooting game, then uh, then maybe maybe you maybe you guys will start to believe it. I don't know. If you're in the uh, Portland Vancouver area, please have Tori sub for your team every night until he gets his shot back. I guess, <laughs> and then hopefully sometime this week you'll actually make some threes. Oh uh, man, man. Yeah, I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want that to be a correlation, though. Shout out to Kyle Neely for becoming a star level member. Appreciate it. I dropped a film breakdown uh, earlier today uh, for channel members exclusively. And then shout out Jackson for being a channel member for 10 months despite him being a mod. Uh, he <laughs> says, the Monstars need to give Dame his powers back. And, yeah, maybe it's the uh, the movie that Dame was in this past uh, <laughs> off season. I don't know. Well, they filmed it the year before, so right? Oh, did they? Okay. I think it was supposed to come out during, like, the summer when everything happened. I think they postponed it, so. Yeah. I, I believe he filmed it the summer two years ago, so that wouldn't have explained this. But the, mo- the movie did come back out, and, yeah. Yeah. Let's look at the uh, final two tweets of the game. Brendan Smith says, can we please get the team that was playing against Phoenix on Saturday, please? Hashtag Blazers Uprise. Yeah, we did not get that team. We need to see more of that team, man. It's crazy how this team can look so good one game and then so rough the next. And then our guy, Sean, 
says, if we go down 30, I'm taking three shots of vodka in a row. Once we went down 30, he tweeted something that I cannot throw up here on Tweets Against the Game because I'm not going to throw up a 20-letter curse word. Uh, but Sean ended up sticking true to his words, uh, showed a clip on Twitter of him taking three shots of vodka. So I just wanted to give Sean a shout-out for not shying away from that because, honestly, being a little bit drunk was the only way uh, you were going to get some enjoyment out of tonight with how bad the Blazers played because the Blazers played drunk themselves. It was it was very rough. So that's tweets of the game. Use hashtag BlazersUprisedYT on Monday. No, this, today is Monday. On Wednesday for the clip... No, not the Clippers. We played the Clippers today. I'm drunk too, Eric. Use hashtag Wednesday. Blazers. Yeah. On Wednesday for the Grizzlies game, use hashtag Blazers Uprise. Alrighty. Um, I think he got punished tonight for having the Blazers way too high on his weekly power rankings on <laughs> BlazersUprise.com. Yeah, that's one of our writers. So uh, we dropped power rankings today and the Blazers are... Uh, the Blazers came in at 9, which I thought was a little high. I think I had them at 13. And the Blazers will definitely fall if they have more games like this this week. So uh, we're going to be dropping those every Monday. Alrighty, Eric. You want to jump into individual players really quick? We'll make this yeah, go by in about 10 to 15 minutes is the goal, and then we'll watch Chauncey's interview, and that'll be the stream. CJ continues some solid play in 32 minutes, had 20 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 turnovers. Uh, he was one of the players with... I think he might have been the only player with more assists than turnovers. We'll have to see on that one. Uh, but 7 for 16 from the field, 4 for 11 from 3, and a lot of those threes were not easy looks. He missed the easy looks, made the hard ones, made the ones off the dribble, contested. Uh, overall, he was really the only guy outside of Anthony Simons who was able to do anything offensively tonight. Yeah, uh, a little too much one-on-one, um, even though he's finished with four assists. Uh, see, but like, okay, here's a question, Eric. I'm sorry to cut you off, but in a game where, yeah. in a game where we have 30 turnovers mm-hmm. and like we're trying to run sets and Nurkic is just passing to the defense for no reason and Rocco can't catch the ball and whatnot, is it really a problem with him going one-on-one? Well, my problem is the watching when it happens. Yeah, uh, like so. Nurk should be trying to get uh, in rebounding position if he knows he's going to go one-on-one. Um, the the times, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily CJ, but, you know, if Roko's open and CJ does kick it out to him and he's not ready to shoot, like happened several times tonight. Uh, like I said, I don't remember if, if those were CJ passes uh, for the most part. But, um, like, so, yeah, I guess if, if that's the case, maybe. But we need to run... The whole point is to, Chauncey has said this multiple times, is to use his abilities more as a playmaker. And we've been saying that for years as well. So um, we want to get to a position where he uses those skills to propel the offense and get everyone going, not just himself in times. And that's, I think, the difference between Dame and CJ, um, where Dame can, can sometimes take it upon himself to score, but he's still goes back to trying to get his teammates involved if he has to, whereas CJ sometimes just takes it upon himself to try and take over the offense. And I just don't like, if we're trying to learn a new system, too many times of that happening. I mean, again, I guess if it's still a close game and he needs to score or, you know, at the end of the game, of course, get a bucket um, if you need to. But um, uh, I, I just don't like it if you're trying to learn a new system right away. Like, I'd rather lose by 30 tonight and 
because we're trying a bunch of new stuff on offense or trying to implement a new scheme, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It's definitely a more nuanced, uh, conversation than, than what I asked, you know? So overall, um, he got good looks off of ball movement. Uh, we got, we moved the ball a little bit in the first quarter and then went away from it. And we were getting some decent looks in the first quarter, just missing them. And he was one of those guys overall defensively today. Uh, I thought he had a solid game and he looks good defensively. And if he's a good defender, that changes the whole conversation about trading him for some players that I said I would trade him for. And he looks like he's our best perimeter defender all of a sudden. In game two, he had a phenomenal defensive game against the Suns. And tonight, I think he might have been our best defensive player, Eric, which is crazy to me. (laughs) Yeah, he's uh, definitely improved on that end. Um, According to Coach Billups, he's asking the most questions, right? That was CJ, right, that he said that about? Yeah, that was CJ. So it's good that he's trying to soak up as much knowledge and learn. Um, So that's encouraging. Yeah. yeah, CJ didn't really do too much wrong tonight. I mean, um, yeah. I almost wish they didn't put him back in. I don't know why we started the fourth quarter. Yeah, <laughs> Chelsea like, will have to learn when the game uh, is done. There was but, no way we were yeah. coming back from that. But, yeah, CJ is probably, um, like I said, other than Ant, my least frustrated player I was I had tonight. Yeah. Yeah, agree. Uh, let's talk about the next guy, which is going to be. Let me load him up here. While you're doing that, Kyle Neely, two dollar donation. Frustration comes with the territory, boys. Hashtag Rip City. Yes, it does, man. Appreciate the dono. Um, also, to let, let's just. I'm just gonna say this on air to the guy that said. I don't want to rant about this for too long, Eric. But there's a guy in chat saying Dame almost did what Ben Simmons did this summer. That's the worst take of the season. Congratulations. all right let's talk about dame 12 points three rebounds three assists in one one barely avoided saga in which he did not return to the team and was holding out and all the stuff that's gone on with ben simmons bro ben damian lillard would never do and never handle things the way ben simmons has handled things no i can't believe people i can't believe somebody just said that that's crazy to me anyway let's talk about basketball 0 for 8 from the three-point line, 4 for 15 from the field. That means he was 4 for 7 from 2, which isn't bad. Got to the line four times, made all four free throws, had four turnovers. You don't like to see that. Uh, Plus minus, negative 22 in 28 minutes. Uh, The three-point shot. If he hits threes today, uh, it's probably an okay game, and it's probably an efficient game. Uh, But his shot, man, I mean, what else more can you say? Here's... Sorry, I'm kind of disjointed here. Here's one thing... I remember about last season is he started off 11 for 38 from three Eric after that Clippers game in game four last year in which he shot 0 for 8 he was 11 for 38 from uh from three and what I said is every season Dame has a three or a four game stretch in which he struggles to shoot the ball in which he shoots like 11 for 38 or something bad like that right the thing is is when it happens at the start of the season people always make a bigger deal out of it because it's the only three or four games that have happened all year long. And I remember saying that last year on that post-game show. I remember making this point. If this three-game stretch that Dame has had to start the season happens in the middle of the season in which he's shooting around 39%, nobody's freaking out. They're just saying, oh, it's a cold stretch and Dame had a rough three games. When it happens the first three games of the season, people 
over exaggerate it into being some bigger deal than it actually is. Yep. Uh, shouldn't have made that rap album, huh? <laughs> yeah, stuff like Wasting that. Wasting all his personal time. Should be practicing basketball. <laughs> Dude, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, well, there's always those people, regardless, anytime he has a bad minute on the court. But yeah, it's not a big deal. It's something that'll, it's an aberration. He'll be fine shooting the ball. <laughs> you know what's funny? This summer's kind of proved that Dame is human. Um, uh, we don't want to think of it this way, but. Dame, when you do the things you do, when you stay loyal to Portland, when you want to win a title for Portland that bad, when you demand that a roster gets better around you, stuff like that, there's pressure to perform when you come. Like, you can't just come out and play like a chump, you know? So um, I'm not saying he is playing like a chump. I'm just saying, like, he probably wants it too much right now, I think, because it's – it's a point where he's trying to prove all the haters wrong. He's trying to prove to all these people that he can win a championship in Portland. And he's trying to do so while trying to impress his new coach and and get him to where he implements all this stuff like faster than it, it probably will take. So I think Dame's just pressing, man. And I think he's showing that he's not some robot that <laughs> doesn't have a um, – doesn't like – get nervous or, or pressure and I know he loves pressure and he, lo- he loves those situations um, so I don't, I'm not worried about it I think he'll be fine I, I, I just I think this is all overblown and that he's just missing three pointers and, and um, once a few of them go down they'll be fine I mean there was a there was one in the Phoenix game because uh, I rewatched that today where he had one in the corner and no one was even near him and he missed it it's like mm-hmm. it, it's just it's in his head right now and i'm not used to saying that about dame because he hardly ever gets in his head um but i think he's pressing right now and i hope it's not because of like the abdomen issue flaring up or anything like that um i was getting kind of worried about that until he tried to posterize hardenstein um (laughs) i think when he did that i was like okay he's not hurt so um i think he's just missing shots uh um and i think he's just trying to it's tough when you're trying to prove to people just how good you are. But then someone else brought up a good point in chat. He did, uh, he did also accomplish something uh, where it's all, it almost might've been better for us if he got slighted off the top 75 team. Um, So like, uh, yeah, it was like, he he kind of plays better with that chip on his shoulder versus getting accolades. So, Maybe it would have been better if he got left off or like Kyrie Irving or something and could have could have had that narrative. But um, I I think uh, Dame will be fine. I'm not worried about Dame. It's he's gonna sometime this week in the next three games. I'm I am putting my Eric guarantee on this. He'll have a monster game, and we'll all look back at the stretch and laugh that. He even struggled this bad. <laughs> All right. We are one hour and 20 minutes into the stream. Maybe I'll have to clip this for when he has that monster game. <laughs> so I can say, you were right, Eric. All right. Let's get through who we got next. We got Anthony Simons up next. Let me put him in here. 
Anthony Simons, 12 points, 5 for 13 from the field, 1 for 6 from 3. People couldn't hit threes, and Anthony got some quality looks from threes, just didn't knock mm. him down. He was 4 for 7 inside the arc, and that's the thing is he shot 43%, uh, almost 43% from the three-point line last year and shot around 40% from two, but he's been better attacking the rim, getting buckets on the interior, and this game was a continuation of that, shooting above 50% inside the arc and only one for six from three. He had four boards, only one assist, only one turnover, though, so it's not like he was making a bunch of mistakes. Minus 21 in 20 minutes, I'm not sure that was his fault at all. So uh, overall, it was a solid game from Anthony Simons. Not as good as the first two games, but when a, uh, on a night when the entire team played bad, it was kind of nice to have a guard off the bench that could come in, and it was like, well... CJ is missing easy shots. Dame is missing everything. Maybe Anthony Simons can get us going because he's definitely shown that ability. Yeah. Uh, no complaints with Ant this season. Uh, definitely, I think he had a couple lapses tonight on defense, but other than that, um, he was one of the few players that I feel really confident in not um, making a ton of mistakes out on the floor right now. Yep, agreed. Let's look at Nas. Nas gets his first start of the season, plays 32 minutes, has 10 points, 4 boards, and assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Only one turnover for him. Had an efficient night, 2 for 4 from 3, you like to see that. One of them was a step back 3, and 4 for 7 from the field. Had an impressive drive and finish in the first quarter off of the best ball movement all season. The Blazers were whipping the ball around on that possession, and Nas mm -hmm. was able to get downhill, and it should have been an and one in my opinion, but had a circus shot finish. Defensively, he disappointed me tonight. He was not locked in on that end. Uh, pretty much nobody was, so it's not just a Nas thing, but for a guy that plays as hard as he does and is normally on top of things on the defensive end, it was disappointing to see him kind of play slow on that end and he was slow to recognize situations as they played out when he was on defense so uh, not a good defensive game from him but offensively uh you like to see the signs of progress yeah uh when he i don't know if it was our first or second possession but uh he got kicked out wide open three and cashed it mm -hmm. and i was at that moment i thought this was going to be a really good because that was really encouraging to see him uh, not only that ball movement on the play, um, much like the play you were talking about, um, but him knocking that down confidently. Um, so I was like, okay, okay, Nas, let's see what you do. And then um, I think the very next possession, he fell asleep on defense and gave up a bucket. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, if if not, Norm is out for a while, Nas is probably going to have to play. And uh, the funny thing about it is, we're actually smaller at a lot of times in this game than we normally would be because um Nas until garbage time was like the only small forward that played we went with Dennis Smith Jr. at times um which I'm sure you'll have something to say about but uh, <laughs> uh so uh I was just disappointed with him on the defensive end it's not because you know PG made shots or cooked him or whatever because that's going to happen it's just the the letting you know pj pg is like on the baseline and then he cuts up to the top mm -hmm. of the key and nas doesn't see him do it or whatever and then he tries to close out but it's too late like stuff like that um you can't be a good defender or uh make progress as a team if you're doing stuff like that so hopefully nas this is a good learning experience for him and uh he'll be better off for it i i do think 
he just needs minutes at this point to um, learn those things on the court. And uh, I think eventually he will be a locked in defender and run that you can depend on to lock down the other team's best wing uh, player. But at this point, after tonight, he's still a long ways from that. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'll say about the Dennis Smith Jr. thing is I don't think we're getting enough minutes for Simons and Nance. So <laughs> yeah. I almost think – I said going into tonight we should run an eight-man rotation and right. get Nance and Simons more minutes. Nance playing next to Rocco at the three and four. And then Simons that, you know, backup guard minutes at both guard spots. So – that's the only thing I said about Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, let's talk about Dennis Smith Jr. Actually, seven points, two rebounds, three assists, three steals. He didn't play bad. Uh, he did have two turnovers, uh, but three for seven from the field. It was an okay game from DSJ. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough because most of the time when he's out there, it's a three-guard lineup. Uh, I actually like him and, and Ant together at times. Um, because I feel like Dennis can take the point guard duties and create if we're not, if our offense is kind of stagnant. Um, but hopefully we're to a point sometime soon where we don't have to worry about the stagnant offense. And then having a point guard who does that is kind of an unneeded quality. But um, as of right now, we do need someone still to break down the defense. And he's doing a good job of that when he's getting a chance. Um, I just hope that we don't have to rely on that soon yep agreed there let's talk about cody zeller who got a hit to the face had to get stitches on the chin luckily it wasn't uh to his nose but it seems like when you're when you wear when you wear a face mask you attract hits to the face uh and he got hit in the face once again we've seen it with roco last season hopefully that's not something we have to worry about game in game out like it seems like it always is with our bigs he has eight points three rebounds no assists only plays 13 minutes. Overall, I thought he was solid, though. Made four of his six free throws. Was a minus four, which I think was probably the best on the team. So, Nurkic struggled. Nurkic struggled, just like I'm struggling to say words right now. <laughs> but uh, when Cody Zeller came in, I thought he kind of calmed things down almost. Defensively was solid and uh, didn't hurt us at all. Kind of stemmed the tide uh, and kind of gave us a nice break from Nurkic as Nurkic was struggling. Yeah, I thought it was okay. He did... Uh, he has some bad possessions defensively as well, like everyone did. Everyone um, did, yeah. When everything's but, that broken, yeah. it's yeah, it's gonna be um, a breakdown from multiple players. Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna say the same thing about Nance too. Uh, Zeller and Nance are gonna be one of those things where they're really good in close games, or if we're winning. But if we're down by a lot, they're kind of, I wouldn't say worthless out there, but like they're not going to like score a bunch of points and get us back into a game or do a lot of those things. So um, I kind of wish we had uh, a third center that we could go to in those situations where, um, you know, someone like a Hartenstein or someone who could uh, not that exact player but you know someone like that who could maybe come in and change a game with some energy and some uh some offensive rebound buckets and something like that um and through defensive effort and things um so yeah uh i, I think in in games like this uh zeller and nance are kind of like uh man 
it's hard to play them when you're down 15 and need to make a run, you know, um, because uh, they're there wasn't a lot of scoring going around and we needed guys that could score the ball tonight and no one was really doing that. Yeah, let's put Larry Nance up there. I think Larry Nance can be the small ball five in those situations. And maybe you throw out a Tony Snow or a Ben McLemore, a shooter that can get hot and pour in some threes. When you're down, the game flow kind of changes and you're trying to make it up. Uh, and I think going smaller, you can increase the pace, ratchet up the pressure on defense. So in games where we're down... Even if Zeller's playing well, it almost just makes sense to put Larry Nance Jr. at the five and try and make a quicker run than if you had Cody Zeller in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, as well, you said, which was a great point, if we're winning, completely different situation. Yeah. The thing is with Nance, in those situations, though, if he's the small ball five and we're down double digits, he's got to be aggressive. And I know that's mm-hmm. not in his nature, but if he's open for three, he's got to let it fly. Like, you can't just hesitate or or um, pass up those shots uh, because we weren't getting very good shots tonight. So if he gets an open three, he's got to shoot it. He's a good enough shooter to where, uh, <coughs> Bless you. To where he shouldn't be uh, passing up those opportunities too often Yeah. Um, when we need points. So uh, just shoot the ball. And uh, he had one post up tonight where he tried to be aggressive and mm-hmm. had a hook shot. He missed it. Um, but other than that, uh, that's that's when the the kind of all around players who aren't necessarily great at one thing but are good at lots of things, those type of players uh, kind of struggle in a game like this just because they don't really have a role when we're, yeah. <laughs> we're down and need to score a bunch. So he needs to be aggressive if he's in that role. But he <laughs> hasn't looked like himself yet, really. He averaged over three assists per game last year. He has zero assists tonight. I don't even think he has three on the season. We haven't been able to utilize his playmaking at all. At all. And he, I don't know, he just he doesn't look like himself on the offensive end. He doesn't look comfortable. He had three turnovers tonight. He was not a turnover-prone player last year in Cleveland. That was a losing team. So I don't know why. I don't know what the deal is with Larry Nance Jr. Not quite being himself, but he doesn't look like he... Looked last year. This isn't a situation where Larry Nance Jr. sucks. If you've only watched him in Portland, it doesn't look too pretty. But if you had watched him before Portland, you would realize this guy is a guy that can can do a little bit off the dribble, attacking the rim, make smart decisions, can pass the ball, isn't super turnover prone. He hasn't really shown that yet in Portland. So definitely still got to have patience for Larry Nance Jr. and have to see how, I don't know. At some point, I think he'll get comfortable, but the offensive system isn't really utilizing Nurkic's playmaking, isn't really utilizing Larry Nance Jr.'s playmaking. Uh, it's kind of like last year's offense, and that's where I'm hoping to see some progress in the next couple of weeks because right now it's the, the offense is, isn't particularly different than last year, and I think that isn't a comfortable situation for a guy like a Larry Nance Jr. Anyway, you're muted, Eric. That was going to be my point um, that you just brought up. It doesn't seem like we're really getting any of our bigs involved in the passing game like we were going to. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so frustrating because most of the time when Nurk has the ball, it's it's been in positions where he's – like getting it like in a dribble handoff situation, it's not really, or pick and roll, it's not 
running the offense through him. It's just a byproduct of what we're doing on offense. And I was like excited because it looked like the first play of the game, we we're going to run it through Nurk and Rocco throws a freaking stupid pass and <laughs> intercepted. And that was just, that we should have known right off the bat, the first play, like he wasn't even on the right side of the court and he bounced it across the court at his feet. Like it made no sense to pass the Nurk <laughs> in that situation. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it, and, and that, but other than that, we didn't really try to get Nurk involved with actual plays. And that's why I think Nance would, would uh, thrive in that. I think Nurk would thrive in that um, situations where you're getting them the ball uh, and they have action off of it. And it's, it's a designed action. It's not just a freelance. The freelance is good too. Um, so we should, uh, we should definitely freelance a lot, but at, I just wish we had more set offense and I, I'm sure that's coming. Um, it's just right now, I don't think we're doing a good job of utilizing their bigs. And when we do, uh, players like Nurk and Nance are just, I mean, they're, they're failing in those situations right now. Nurk, uh, was, I mean, you couldn't even give him the ball tonight. He was that bad. Uh, like he was just making lazy passes, uh, fumbling the ball. Same with Nance. Um, and it's frustrating. We had two plays at the beginning of the first, uh, second half where Nurk gets the ball under the hoop and he loses them both plays. Uh, so uh, that can't happen. He's got to be stronger. Uh, if if he wants this role on the team, he's going to have to find a way to take care of the ball and uh, n- not just play the way he did tonight. Because, I mean, he had no chance on some of those shots. Like. The one he caught the ball into the hoop and just kind of threw it up. I know he thought he got fouled, but like those aren't even close to, to going in. And um, when you're that big and that talented, you should be um, finishing, which he had been um, secretly finishing well this season so far. Um, so once again, I'm not going to read too much into one game, but this is not the Nurkic that will get us to the next level. Yeah, yeah, agreed. We've talked about him at length. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about him more until we see what he does next game and how he bounces back from this. The only other player we have to put up here is Robert Covington. We talked about Roko more than anybody, so I have nothing to say, Eric, that hasn't already been said. He did have three steals. You know, that's the thing. Even when he's not locked in and sleeping defensively and making a bunch of defensive mistakes, he's still a guy that can get three steals and a couple of blocks, you know. But uh, overall, he has to be more consistent in terms of being locked in and doing the right things on a possession by possession basis than he has been so far this season we need Robert Covington to be a good defender for us he has not been a good defender so far this season he was a good defender in game two games one and three were really bad uh 24 minutes from the starting power forward zero points four turnovers one assist that's not good (laughs) and the other thing that he's doing that's making me mad is uh like he always seems to jump at the wrong time <laughs> and he's getting off his feet and it's leading to easy lands or his guy going right by him because he got in the air. And um, he's smarter than that. He's got to, he's got to recognize when to jump for the ball and when not to. And uh, um, hopefully this is just a, a rough start for him mentally for some reason as he tries to, because <sighs> Honestly, I think what might be happening is uh, 
like there's there's some good individual defenders, you know, or like you know, reputable de- defenders on this team. Uh, Nurk's got a good reputation. Uh, uh, Roko's got a good reputation as a defender. Um, but when you're trying to learn a new system, you're trying to help others get to your level, if that makes sense. So I think he's focused too much on helping others right now and it's causing his own defense to suffer. So I think a little bit of that is as the other players are out of position, he might be taking too long or noticing it too much and focusing on that. And meanwhile, his guy moves and and he doesn't get out fast enough to, to recover on that. So there might be a little bit of he's overcompensating as the rest of the defense tries to catch up. I hope that's the case because once it does, then he wouldn't have that responsibility. I'm just trying to figure out like why someone who has been good at this his whole career would all of a sudden just look this bad. And I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm not saying that that is the reason or if that's an excuse if it is. Um, but this guy's got to play better on the defensive end. The offense, to me, we have enough offense, even if he's struggling or barely shooting like he did tonight, the three shots. But the defensive end, uh, we cannot be a good team if he is uh, a liability on that end. Yep. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, we got a donation that asks a really good question here, Eric. Uh, Mills Woj says he has a $10 donation. Thank you, man. Appreciate the support you consistently give us. He says, question, Nurkic played awful, but I feel like on the rolls and dumps, they throw the ball to him really low. I feel like they're doing a bad job of getting him the ball in a good position to finish. And that I think that's part of it. Uh, he does get a lot of passes low. The thing is, is just because he catches a pass low doesn't mean he can't finish high or finish strong. He'll catch the ball low and then like keep it low and then try and scoop shot, even if he has a 6'4 guy on him. But you do see if they can get the ball higher on him, he'll finish higher more often. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily him not being able to finish high because he's catching the ball low. It just seems like when he catches the ball low, he doesn't try and finish high. And when he catches it higher, he's actually willing to do so. One of the only buckets that Nurkic had tonight, he finished high on Nicholas Batum. And it was because he had a lot of space to kind of roll. They were running a side pick and roll instead of in the middle of the floor. And Nurkic caught the ball about 12 feet away from the rim and was able to kind of get to the rim without any defensive uh, pressure. Batum was standing under him. I don't know if he was trying to take a charge, but Batum was kind of standing around the rim, and Nurkic just went up and finished off the backboard. So I think part of it is he finishes higher and stronger if he's kind of to the side of the hoop, and then that might be a part of it too is the guards need to get the ball up higher. Eric, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, As a big man, I agree that... um, I was thinking about this during the game. So... You can almost tell when Nurk's going to struggle based on where he catches the ball and where, like, like you said, where it's located or where the uh, donation said. Um, so you almost know if it's low and about five feet in the middle of the key that he's going to either run into a, a defender or he's going to get it stripped uh, down low while he tries to go up or he's going to flip it up from the side and it's maybe go in, maybe not. Um, so in my opinion there was a point in this game where um we got it to him a couple times and he turned the ball over both times in that situation it's like well maybe let's try 
the location point to a different, like maybe either have him stop at the free throw line and accept the pass there and then um, like run some action off of that or um, just get him to set up. If the pass is going to be low, I'd rather it be a little further away from the hoop uh, because you don't have as many people swiping down on it when it's out there. Um, or I don't understand why the Blazers can never do this. It's not because we don't have the passers to do this. This is a very simple basketball thing. But we saw this tonight where um, Zubac isn't great at this, but he's just standing by the basket and they lob it up to him and he dunks because uh, Nurkic is a little out of position, right? Yeah. Um, and we see that all the time against like uh, good dunking centers like Aiton and JaVel McGee and stuff mm -hmm. and, uh, like that. We, we see that all the time. Why do our centers, are they never in that dunker spot where they can just get, catch the ball up high and throw it down all in one motion or catch it up high and just lay it in um, without ever bringing the ball down? It's always seeming like they're catching it on the run towards the basket. And then I watch other centers never be put in that position. So that's something that I have confidence since, uh, you know, two of the coaches from this team came from that staff. Um, maybe that they can teach this team to do that eventually. Um, it's not there yet, but I just, I don't like um, when Nurk is playing the way he's doing tonight, where we get him the ball, we should get him the ball near the basket more and up high, like the donation said. Um, just to get him some easy baskets to get going and then maybe try some of that other stuff um, once that gets taken away. But I, I feel like uh, we should do that more. But uh, so Ernesto said Whiteside did that, but we didn't really throw those lobs to Whiteside either. Most of his, he caught those in the same position. It's just Whiteside, for all his faults, is one of the elite centers at finishing on those. He goes straight up with the ball. Um, he's it's also he, just massive. He, yeah, he, <laughs> bigger right. than Nurk. Yeah, his, his release point is way higher than most centers. So Whiteside is pretty much unstoppable if he gets the ball to a certain position in that. And uh, I think he shot like 60% from the field when he was here too, So yeah. um, which he's done most of his career. Uh, but that guy is the lead at finishing around the rim. But um, that's kind of my point is it just – it looks different with other centers and Zubac, um, you can say he's a certain size or he's got a certain wingspan or whatever. Like Dirk is just as big as most of these guys that I see doing this and he can jump just as well as them. It's it's not necessarily that they're, they're quick jumpers or anything like that because Zubac isn't. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I just feel like we should design plays to get them more around the basket. But the problem is he's always coming from the top because he's always setting that screen so that's why i just want different actions um through it and maybe it's as easy as those plays i was talking about with cj where he gets into the paint or to the free throw line area maybe those are the type of situations where if you draw that big you have nurkic down low instead of setting the pick on those because cj can create those on his own without the pick um so there just needs to be an adjustment there and i'm hoping the coaches notice that and we see that soon but I just feel like um, that's correct and that Nurk uh, is really good, but I don't think we're utilizing it properly still. And I, I think that's going to take some time because, like you mentioned with Nance, 
it seems to be. All their bigs aren't really involved um, in that way, even though every time they get the ball, you can tell, like you can physically watch their thought process of, of oh, I need to pass here, I need to do this, someone get open, I want to pass the ball. Um, they're, they're willing passers, so I think it'll come. It's just, um, it's just not there yet, and I, I'm hoping that changes soon. Yep. Are you ready to listen to Chauncey Billups? It's a yes. shorter interview, four-minute interview from Chauncey Billups. Let's. We suck. <laughs> we suck. Uh, that should be the interview. All right. All straight to trade everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Nurkic is trash. Roko is too weak. <laughs> he just says all that stuff. We're like, well, there goes everything we've talked about. <laughs> Uh, nah, nah. I expect Chauncey to keep it real. Let's see what he has to say. Just to start off, how would you characterize that effort and performance tonight? Um, I mean, it was embarrassing. It was really embarrassing. Um, just the effort. You know, I didn't think that we started the game off with the right mindset. I mean, we talked in the locker room about the Clippers. They, you know, they hadn't hadn't won a game yet. Two tough losses. But they were desperate to get a win, you know, and we, we were at home and we tried to, you know, defend against that. But from the very first play of the game, you know, recording we in progress, all over, we couldn't get the ball where we needed to go. Their pressure really hurt us. And uh, it just it continued to snowball the rest of the way. You know, it was tough to compete in the game. We have 30 turnovers. Eric, did you get recording in progress? That wasn't my computer, was it? <laughs> no, I heard it too. Okay, yeah. See, I was I was gonna say that wasn't. I my think computer. that was on the video. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely on the video. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but uh, he said it was embarrassing, Eric, which is yeah. what you said. Yep, I completely agree with that. It was embarrassing, and uh, um, this is the first game I thought. Billups got completely outcoached too. I, I don't think he had the team ready to play, and uh, um, yeah, uh, I didn't. Uh, it's just good. Just I, I didn't think he had a good night. No one yeah, had yeah. a good night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, Aaron Petrus. Aaron Go ahead, Aaron. Hey, Coach T. Do you, uh, do you think there was a hangover from Saturday night? And what can you say about the third quarter, especially? You guys are only down 14 and a half time. You're still in it. And you came out and played even worse in the third quarter than you had in the first half. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just don't see how you can have a hangover two days later. You know, um, guys had the day off on, on Sunday. Uh, we played like we were tired today, but there was no reason to be tired. Um, so no, there's, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, there's no excuse, Aaron. Um, and we come out and again, like you say, we're in striking distance at halftime. We had turned it over a ton. We, we, we just weren't playing very well. Talked about it at the half. We showed a few clips at the half and, uh, we just didn't, we just didn't respond, man. We never, we never competed like we wanted to win the basketball game. And that's disappointing. What do you attribute to Dame's uncharacteristic start with you know, the shots not falling? Yeah, I mean, you know, to see Dame, like, not make shots, I think, you know, Dame is probably in the middle of, like, trying to play, you know, and do some of the new things that we're asking, but also, like, when to really kind of be aggressive, 
you know, but at the end of the day, this is, we're playing around him, you know. We, we figured that out around him. We have played through him, He's, you know, one of the best players in the game for a reason. You know, you play through him and everything else just kind of works itself out, right? Um, but he's just such a, he's such a selfless player and such a great teammate that, you know, he's trying to make sure everybody else is okay, knowing that he can always kind of get his. But what happens is you, you can play yourself out of a rhythm that way. Um, when you just, when you take, when you take plays and you're not aggressive, um, we want Dan to be aggressive all game. You know, all game, no matter what. Going back to Aaron Pinterest. You guys had great ball movement, great player movement against the Suns. And it seemed like tonight, it just wasn't that same action. And, and guys were settling for certain shots that I know you didn't like. What, what was going there from a mental standpoint? Because you said you guys were going to watch the film and that the Suns game gave you a template for what it's supposed to look like. And tonight it looked like the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah, and we did all those things. You know, we watched the film, we talked about it. Um, we, we we did it the right way, obviously, against Phoenix. And today, you know, we just had a little backslide, Aaron. You know, we had a backslide. and We just, we, we never seemed to be mentally into it, you know. Um, when, it's hard to win, period, in the NBA, but on the road, it's really hard. And regardless, uh, you know who they have out. That's a that's a good team over there, and obviously they're well coached. So you just you can't if you if you don't compete at the start of a game, and you never really turn it on as far as comp competing is concerned, you you just can't win a game. Alrighty, there it is. That's Chauncey Billups, and it's nice to uh, it's nice to listen to Chauncey Billups even after a loss. Man, uh, E Ray Petro says it's good to have a coach that gives real answers to questions, and I could not agree more. Um, because it, here's the thing: last year, after a loss like this, Stotts would give answers like "We just missed shots. They just made shots," and it seemed like Stotts didn't have his finger on what was wrong on a game in game out basis with Chauncey yeah we, we were not mentally locked into this entire game we were not mentally ready for this game and our intensity was embarrassing everything mm -hmm. that Chauncey said in that post game uh, interview me or Eric said earlier on the stream so uh, it's nice to have a coach who's not scared to admit what's wrong on a game in game out basis and uh, sounds like he understands what's wrong. Sometimes it's going to be a situation where you're making mistakes in certain areas of the game. Sometimes it's going to be a situation where you're just so mentally out of it for no reason that you're playing like you are tired, even though there's no reason to be tired in the first place. This isn't this isn't the second night of a back to back or anything that you can point at as an excuse. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, pretty well said in the post game interview. We just have to watch film and find out what went wrong. <laughs> yeah, Stott, that was a classic last year from Stotts. I don't know what went wrong. We're going to have to watch the film. Thanks, <laughs> James Hatch, for the reminding me of that one. Um, yeah. But no, uh, yeah, see, this is fine. I just don't want this to become a thing because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to worry if, like I said, the one thing I'm worried about, Chauncey, I, I wouldn't even say I'm worried about it. I just think the one thing that's tough for a coach to do is you can talk all the talk you want, but implementing it is much harder than 
um, just saying you're going to do it and actually holding people accountable and doing all these things. Yeah. So, but it's um, like it's hard to implement anything if your players are not going to be mentally locked in. Right. Like that's the base. Um, I'm just hoping that he does eventually his persona, his mentality, his imprint is on this team because uh, I, I just don't think if the team had this type, that type of mentality that he had as a player, I mean, of course he had games like this. I'm not saying you can't. Uh, I just don't want that to be a frequent thing. And uh, if they come out with his mentality and eventually do that, they'd realize that they, you would never have these kind of lapses, you know, like you would always bring it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we saw this, we talked about it after last game. It's like we saw this point several times the last two years where we win a big game. Um, not quite as impressive as the one on Saturday, but um, you win a game, you beat the Lakers or something in L.A., and then, like you mentioned earlier, we throw a dud up the next game. So uh, it, it's a case where I think hopefully Chauncey realizes that this team – does have a little bit in that and and coaches them out of it and helps them work through that because you can't have that mentality in the NBA. You have to bring it night in, night out. You can't just uh, win one game, the next game, because you won this game. That, that'll never work. Uh, so you've got to have a new attitude and want it every night. You can't just um, be like, oh, we've won four in a row or whatever, and now this means the next game is going to be easy because – it just gets harder as the season goes on and you have to be prepared for that. I think you're muted. Muted. It was my turn to be muted. Uh, I agree with all that, man, is uh, this team has struggled with this and it might be a player thing, man. I mean, Nurkic is kind of inconsistent being locked in, bought in, but like uh, Robert Covington has never really had that issue, so that's why it's kind of weird that he's having it. Now, I've been worried that we don't seemingly have like a P.J. Tucker type of personality or a Draymond Green, a guy that's just a great defender that just brings it and sets the tone in terms of intensity. We don't what really that cause would have been if he was healthy. Yeah, but like I, I wouldn't have. I feel like Zach Collins could have been that, but like not necessarily to the consistency of a Draymond or a PJ Tucker, because yeah. those guys are like so respected for that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know, like maybe we need a guy like that, you know, but I, I'm willing to give it time and we'll see like at the deadline, if it's still a problem, then we might be sitting here saying we need to go out and trade for a, for a guy that has the temperament of a Draymond green or a PJ Tucker. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Hopefully that's not something that we need because that's the thing. Other like, I don't think the Phoenix Suns have that guy. Some people say Jay Crowder, but Jay Crowder is kind of hit or miss in that regard. And the Bucks, I mean, I guess Drew is that guy. Giannis brings it night in, night out, no matter what. So um, there's some successful teams that don't quite have that guy. Well, they had Tucker last year. <laughs> oh, yeah, they had P.J. Tucker. What am I talking about? Yeah, they had P.J. Tucker last year. So uh, yeah. maybe they'll be missing him. I don't know. But Maybe that's just the type of personality we need on this team to kind of be the heart and soul. As Gray Hughes mentions, I think Norm can be that kind of guy because he just has a way of getting a a basket when we need it sometimes. And I completely disagree with what uh, 
Oh, Wayne is saying in chat, he says our roster is fine until the normal Norman Powell trade. <laughs> it didn't change anything on our roster. <laughs> Norm is more of a three than Gary Trent Jr. was, so I don't yeah. understand that take. <laughs> yeah, and Hood was giving us nothing, and unfortunately for Hood, he's probably not going to ever be the same player. I saw he played tonight, so it's good to see him yeah. uh, back on the court. But Yeah, I mean, Norman Powell has but, like a three-inch higher standing reach than Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. It, had T-Rex arms and uh, was not... Norman Powell is a bigger player than Gary Trent Jr. is, and Norman Powell plays more like a three, so I don't understand how that messed up the roster. And if that is the case, how does that explain how... Uh, our net rating was the best in the NBA with our starters once we made mm-hmm. once we traded for Norm. Our offense was the best in the league for our starters once we traded for our Norm. And, and our, def- we miss- our we defense was Norm. actually pretty good. And we didn't have Norm tonight, so that was <laughs> we you can't blame Norm. Norm for not being there tonight. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand it. Anyway, let's go. Bro, uh, Dro had a two dollar donation. Oh yeah, Dro. Too. Let me thank that, and then we'll go around the NBA and wrap up the stream. Shout out Dro for the two dollar dono. He says, "Utilize the bigs. Let's bully teams in the paint." That just requires use of Nurkic finishing. He mm-hmm. has to be able to finish, and we don't really have the bigs to punish teams like Cody Zeller. Yeah, Cody Zeller can finish on the interior, but he's not really an interior player. He's a guy that you run some pick and roll with. He can short roll, play make, and then he can catch a pass and finish around the rim and that sort of thing. Um, so. I would love to bully teams in the paint. The biggest bully on our team is Yusuf Nurkic, but he has to decide to play like a bully. He has to decide to play strong, and that's been hit or miss with him uh, over the course of his entire career. He's always started slow mentally, though. This is one more point I want to make about Nurkic. He's always started slow. He doesn't start seasons quickly, and then he picks it up as the season goes along. Uh, So overall, in terms of Nurkic, I'm not worried. I kind of expected him to be hit or miss to start the season. Uh, If he's able to figure it out mentally and be mentally locked in and play strong, he'll be a really good player uh, for this team. And he's capable of that. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Hopefully he's able to kind of get back to some of the things that he's shown in the past. I just wanted to make that point on Nurk. Well, you mentioned the Suns, too, uh, not having that guy last year. Torrey Craig kind of became that guy for them. And they picked him up for, like, nothing. <laughs> uh, I think they got him for, like, cash or something from uh, them. And there's always some buyout guys that could be like that. Um, so this roster isn't finished yet either. Uh, if that is something that's needed for this team, um, I hope the coaching staff would recognize that and that we would get that piece at the trade deadline. Yep. Isaac Sandstrom says, Tori must not have shot well today. I didn't shoot at all today, man. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll let you guys know how Put up goes. a thousand shots. Uh, I wish I had now time. Wednesday. I wish I had time to put up a thousand <laughs> shots, man. Uh, Someone go rebound for Tori. Yeah, somebody go. Somebody come rebound for me. If Pineapples is still in here, he goes to my gym. So uh, maybe he ain't in here anymore. But let's hop around the nba and wrap up the stream uh you had nine games tonight celtics get an overtime win against the hornets the bucks beat the pacers by 10 atlanta beats the detroit pistons 122 to 104 the pistons didn't have Cade cunningham or jeremy grant the brooklyn nets win by 14 over the washington wizards who were previously 2-0 that was a bad beat for me uh because i picked the wizards and picks against the spread and everybody else picked nets and i'm a moron the Miami Heat beat the Magic 107-90. to They took care of business. 
The Chicago Bulls beat the Raptors 111-108. The spread there was the Bulls favored by two, and they won by three on a last-second free throw. So another bad beat for me today, Eric. It's been a rough day for me. I also double down on the Blazers like a moron. The Bulls were also up by six with like 40 seconds left and let them steal an inbounds pass. Dude, just let me vent, man. You're, right. you're, you're like six, seven games ahead of me, two days in the picks against the Spurs. Four so games ahead rough. of you. You're only four after yeah. today? Okay, it's not that bad. We're, we're, we're chilling then. Shout out Prim. I have the records if you want. <laughs> yeah, let's read them off after this. Shout out Prim. $1 donation with a crying emoji sticker. Appreciate it, Prim. I'm sorry that the Blazers made you cry tonight. Let's look at the final three scores. Pelicans beat the Timberwolves. Pelicans were 0-3, playing without Zion, but they beat the Timberwolves, who are undefeated. Uh, every Almost everybody picked... Timberwolves in that, despite them being a five and a half point favorite, and they lose by nine. The Cavs beat the Nuggets. That's the one game that I can take some reprieve and picks <laughs> against the spread, Eric, because I picked the Cavs. Denver yeah. was a nine and a half point favorite in that game. The Cavs beat them by twelve. So uh, we're not the only Western Conference team with a bad loss tonight. Denver loses at home to the Cavaliers and only put eighty seven on the board. And then of course the Blazers getting beat by thirty, one hundred sixteen to eighty six against the Clippers. I was seven and zero heading into these three games. It's- and you lost these last three. These three. Yeah. Yeah. So you finished seven, seven and four. Three. Seven and three. Yeah. Oh, what about the double down? No, there was nine games. Uh, oh yeah, math. Okay, let's move on to notable performances. <laughs> Jason Tatum drops forty-one points, eight assists, seven boards. Great game from him. Carl Anthony Towns almost has a triple double with thirty-two points. Giannis almost has a triple double. A lot of close triple doubles today. Uh, Giannis 30, 10, and 9 assists. He's 10 for 18 from the field and 10 for 13 from the free throw line. Jimmy Butler pours in a 36 game in the Miami Heat's win. He's looking good to start the season. And Trey Young has the Hawks rolling. He has 32 for them. Let's look at the standings. Now standings are kind of getting to the point where there's slight separation. Not everybody's all tied, right? You don't like Portland being there at 12. That should improve. We're technically have... tied for 7th, I guess. Yeah, we're tied for 7th. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We're tied for we're tied with the Lakers, so and the in the Suns and the Clippers, so it's not all bad yet. Um Dallas has Dallas got blown out opening night and then one game two so it'll be interesting to see which dallas team we see in game number three but overall guys we're only uh two games out of first place and that is golden state right now at three and zero. utah's two and zero. only two undefeated teams left in the west uh it'll be interesting to see like 10 games and more teams stand i i barely pay attention to standings in the first three four or five games there's just really no point to but i like throwing them up here for you guys to look at yeah, it'll be more fun as the season goes along. Agreed. Chicago's the only undefeated team in the East. They're at 4-0. Charlotte had a chance to join them at 4-0 before losing an OT to Boston. But that's the te- two teams at the top of the East right now. That's two teams that missed the playoffs. Right now, you got Indiana struggling to start the season. Same with Toronto. Boston's 2-2. Two two. Uh, so the Eastern Conference is looking better than the West, Eric. Because at Bo- Boston at 11 is 2-2. Two two. Boston in the West would be 5th or 6th. So, uh, the East, which is normally worse than the, when I can't talk. Oh my goodness. We're too far to the stream. Uh, the East is normally worse. What is it? Like 19 out of the last 20 years, the East has been worse than the West. Mm -hmm. Something like that. They're starting off playing better than the Western conference. Uh, yeah. So there's, there is the standings. Oh my goodness. My, my, my speech is, (laughs) is killing me right now. 
Let's look ahead to the next five games. Let me throw this up here. Um, we got the Memphis Grizzlies next. Uh, we won't have a stream to preview that. That'll be on Wednesday, so no Blazers Uprise Live episode. Eric, what are your keys to taking care of the Grizzlies? Uh, got to continue our transition defense. Um, got to locate Jaw wherever he's at. Um, got to keep them from getting hot from three. And then also have to keep their active bigs off the boards. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, Jaw has been absolutely crushing it to start this season. Uh, so hopefully we're able to contain him. Let's look at the next five games. Finally good to get a different color other, other than blue on this graphic. Uh, we play the Cleveland Cavaliers November 3rd. Uh, but you got games every other day with Memphis. The Clippers, again, will be interesting to see that rematch. We play the Clippers three times in the first 11 games. That matchup on the 29th will be game number two. I'll be going to the Memphis Grizzlies game, so the post-game show will go live a little bit later than usual. It will go live probably 25 minutes after the final buzzer i will rush out of there as fast as i can but i live all the way up in vancouver so we'll take a little bit of time for that one what uh, game was that the next game the grizzlies oh, game. Grizz. oh you're going to okay yeah that will be on espn uh for any of those of you who don't have root or don't want to watch on root or whatever that will be in a nationally televised game so hopefully we don't get embarrassed again it's nice to go back home for two more games after uh, getting crushed on the road uh hopefully the home crowd can help pick this team back up from this loss uh overall want them to at least split the next two games preferably i would have preferred for them to have won two out of the three including tonight and then the next two were already at zero and one so uh might not get that but uh, have a chance to get a decent win against the memphis grizzlies team that is playing some solid basketball right now and then the blazers start their uh eastern conference road trip charlotte philadelphia cleveland the first three games on that trip that is the next five games Alrighty. So, uh, Eric, anything else you want to say for stream today? Uh, picks against the spread. Oh, yeah. What are the records? Reese was 5-5, five and five, is 14-8 and eight overall. Jackson, 6-4, and four, also 14-8 and eight overall. Trevin went 6-4 and four tonight and is 13-9. and nine. I went 7-3 and three and I'm also 13-9, and nine, so that's four uh, off to a good start there. Chat went 4-6 and six tonight and fell to 11 and 11. Zach went five and five. He has been 500 both days, so 11 and 11 for him as well. Tori was four and six tonight and fell to nine and 13 overall. And my guy, Krish, three and seven tonight after his four and eight record the other day. So he is down at seven and 15. Who was that last year? Was it Trevin? Reece or Trevin? Yeah. Trevin. Uh, bring it up the rear all season. We'll see. Um, yeah. Yeah, we got two rookies for that. That's Jackson and Trevin. Jackson's doing, or not Jackson and Trevin. That's Jackson and Krish are yeah. two picks against the spread rookies. Jackson is doing well. Krish is struggling. Hopefully, Krish is able to uh, have a bounce back. And same with me, man. I'm sitting here below 500. I hate it. Uh, I'm down here with Krish, man. I got to try and get up there with you guys and maybe drag Krish up to the top with me. We'll see. Uh, overall, been a rough couple of days for me for picks against the spread. If you don't know what picks against the spread is, it's the segment that starts off every episode of Blazers Uprise Live. That's our second channel that we stream on Mondays and Thursdays going live around 3.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have a whole graphic setup for that, and it's a lot of fun. We keep tra track of chats, 
picks with a polling feature that YouTube has now finally added to live streams. So you can come and participate and help chat, try and beat all of us. That's me, Eric, and all our mods. Uh, shout out to Chris for helping me with the graphics tonight. He's been doing a good job lately. He makes Thanks, all this graphical stuff possible, and he's getting very efficient at it. Might have to add a couple more things to his <laughs> plate because he's been uh, knocking it out of the park. Hopefully you good guys job, have enjoyed the graphics we've been bringing you so far this season. If you have any ideas for anything new you'd like to see on stream, uh, we're, all, we're all ears. I'm all ears. I'll think about anything that you guys have to offer in terms of suggestions. So go DM me or message me on Discord or even email me blazersuprise at gmail.com. Uh, that's pretty much all the plugs. This thank you to all the mods as well. Yeah, thank especially you to the tonight. mods, especially tonight. You guys have done a good job. Uh, the audio of this will be on Spotify uh, by tomorrow morning. So if you want to listen back to any of this, you can go to Spotify and listen to an audio-only version. And with that, Eric, uh, final word. Thank you, everyone, for uh, watching. Uh, yeah, even even those that disagree with us, we appreciate you tuning in. And I hope everyone has a good rest of your night. And we'll see you after the game Wednesday. Yep, I'll let you know how my shot is tomorrow. Hopefully it's good. I'm going to need to make sure it's good so Dames is good. Anyway, that's a wrap for this stream. We will catch you on Wednesday. Until then, have a good one. As always, peace out. Go Blazers.